Hello chapters, bars. I just wanted to send you a lovely audio comment to say how much I'm loving Westworld. Hold on a minute. <clears throat> Disengage emotion. Yeah, hi chaps. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, first episode of your Westworld show. I just wanted to stick my nose in um, because one of the things uh, I noticed from episode one, and I'm sure you were going to mention this, but I don't recall you doing so, so I just thought I'd stick my nose in, like I said. Um, the Ed Harris character obviously meant to mirror the Yul Brynner character, and the, obviously you focus a lot on the flip of James Marsden's character, which I thought was genius as well, had me hook, line and sinker. Um, but the twist, the second twist was Ed Harris being a player, not a host, which of course is completely the opposite to the film. And um, I thought that was a stroke of genius because all the trailers are thinking, oh look, Ed Harris is the Yul Brynner character. Nope. Um, well, I suppose he is, but he's not. That made no sense whatsoever. Um, switching emotion back on analysis mode nah that doesn't work anyway chaps um, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of what you have to say about the rest of the series um, I am loving this I've got, I've got to say also it's one of the best intro sequences to any TV show I think I've ever seen um, that alone is a work of art um, my sort of uh, engineering eye and things like that the, the geeky side of me absolutely loves the robot arm just stringing muscle fibres from point to point. Um, you know like those videos where you just get people doing like carpentry or, <laughs> you know, like a, a mechanical action, like something making a spring, and you can just watch it over and over and over because it has that precise nature to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people. Um, so yeah, I just want to send you some feedback, say keep it up, loving your work, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. Dear, dear, how queer everything is today. And yesterday, things went on just as usual. I wonder if I've been changed in the night. Drop it. Duncan and Buck come correct. Welcome back, everyone. This is Duncan and Bo come correct derailed, uh, or maybe on rails, more appropriately, <laughs> uh, to address uh, Westworld, the HBO television series. I like to think of this as Duncan and Bo go to Westworld, which makes it sound like a Hope and Crosby movie. <laughs> with me as ever the the stalwart the uh the irascible uh the the often intoxicated duncan mcleish how are you sir i'm doing very well i was thinking um duncan and bo go to westworld also sounds like the worst broadway musical worst or best um, well, it depends on your definition. If you like really bad musicals, then it's the best. Yeah. Hey, now I'm a host. <laughs> I don't. I, maybe it'd be more of a, a a a Hamilton thing. You know, it's a little more avant-garde, a little rappier. Yeah. Everyone be scared of that man in black. You know, that could work. I, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm digging it now. Let's do that. Dolores is gonna take her shot. See, Ooh. yeah, uh, yeah, I like what you did there. I like uh, what you did there. Yeah, a lot I, to unpack this week. Like loads to unpack this week. Yeah, this is uh for an episode three. Uh, this one is entitled "The Stray." Um, this episode felt very much like, hey, let's start broadening the scope of this show. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it, it's really. Uh, there, there's a lot of mythology kind of going on in this episode, you know, you're kind of borrowing from the idea of you have your, you know, monster of the week episodes and you have your mythology episodes. 
and and this very much felt like the episode that was uh, sort of putting a finer point on the characters letting us know a little bit more about them uh as well as the the scope of the changes the hosts are undergoing yep and and kind of finally uh and it, it it's something that we didn't really talk about uh in the first two episodes and and it's become a bit of a a fan theory of sorts um regarding the timeline of the show mm-hmm. and the fact that we might not be dealing with the same timeline in in the same episode so that there may be events that we're seeing unfold before our eyes duncan that mm-hmm. actually took place at a different time than we assume they are taking place. Ooh. Right. I have not read that fan theory, but that is quite interesting. The the popular one, which was sort of debunked by this episode, um, perhaps, was that William was actually the man in black. Ooh. Right? Uh, but, of course, with the ending of this episode, that certainly, if not debunks it, it makes it a little more problematic. But um, en- enough, yes. uh, enough belly aching <laughs> and, uh, and, and yapping. Uh, well, continued yapping. But let's get to the episode itself. Uh, yeah. Uh, d- directed it- by Neil Marshall, we said off, off air. But that's worth noting. Neil Marshall, great director. We love him. He does a lot of genre stuff, but has been doing a lot with hbo recently in particular with game of thrones yes so but it has made the transition from game of thrones over to westworld i'm just happy to see him working he's he's one of he's one of my favorite sort of genre directors from the uk and whenever his name pops up and something it makes me feel happy so it's good to see him doing a bit of work here yeah. uh, once again writing credits go to many names but most notably uh, jonathan nolan again and lisa joy the creators of uh, the show, of course, uh, showrunners, if you will. Um, yeah, I think you and I are in the the small camp uh, that thinks Doomsday is a really rad movie. Doomsday is, uh, yeah. If, I think I think when Doomsday came out, I don't think people really knew what to expect from that movie. I think people genuinely thought they were going into some sort of cannibal horror movie, and that's not what it was. And Neil Marshall himself said that basically he lied to get the money to make Doomsday, because he said that had he went into a board room meeting and said, listen, I want to make Mad Max in Glasgow, um, and you need to give me $25 million, he would have been laughed out of the building. So, um, yeah, so he kind of lied to them a little bit, and I think it was all about I love that. That movie is one of those ones that I still think maybe even 10 years from now, people, more people will find as like one of those weird cult anomaly movies where people are like, I can't believe no one liked this movie when it came out. Well, there were people, and it's documented on this podcast. Yes. That's the uh, truth yeah. bombs at the start of this episode. Me and Bo like Doomsday. Right. So suck it. Internet. Future listener. Right. <laughs> Listeners who may potentially disagree with us. If you put that kind of qualifier on it, it has a little less punch, I would argue. Yeah, and if, it, if they're listening 10 years from now, chances are mean you're dead, Bo. So there you go. You can't even argue with us. And, so we win again. And, and honestly, like, our deaths are either going to be a murder-suicide <laughs> or potentially a murder-feel-a-whole-lot-betters. 
where can you imagine if we if you, could you imagine if we both decided to create a suicide pact where we both killed ourselves in identically weird circumstances and we were filmed on the same day and people would think there was some sort of transatlantic serial killer but we could we could become like one of those we, we could have a show one of those unsolved mysteries right but if they listen to the show then it quickly becomes a solved mystery this is why we have an edit button bow oh yeah <laughs> See what I'm saying? that was that was just for me and you oh. let's hope that you didn't leave in the show so the listeners now know our plan i never would the only circumstance in which i could potentially <laughs> leave this in is if i were perhaps under the influence of some narcotic let's hope that that is not the case because if this was left in there that would prove that you were Yep, so uh, let me take one <laughs> quick bong rip and we're ready to go. <laughs> right, so the stray. The stray. So we begin uh, in uh, with Dolores, as we tend to do on this show. Yes. And uh, Bernard, who, by the way, even though I've adopted the UK pronunciation, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins does not bother to do the same, I would like to point out, because he does <laughs> refer to him as Bernard. Because he's in an American show surrounded by Americans. Right. Or perhaps the character of Bernard was like, what did you call me? And he's like, I called you Bernard. And <laughs> and, and Bernard was like, that's not my name, asshole. It's Bernard. He was like, fine. I we did get Bernard. a lot more screen time of Hopkins in this episode and kind of loving the Hopkins in, in, uh, in Westworld. If I'm honest, yeah. he's, uh, he's he, I, like I said before, he's not hamming it up. He's hammed up a lot of performances in the last 20 odd years. Uh, that Hannibal thing really kind of ruined him a little bit. Um, but he's, he's like, there are scenes in here where he feels compassionate. There are other scenes in this where he is downright cold and terrifying. Well, so, but it goes back to the coffee machine conversation we had last yep. week. Where Anthony Hopkins has adopted sort of uh, my conflicted feelings about this, with, <laughs> except he's not conflicted. He's just straight ahead. Hey, it, these things are non-thinking machines. Don't talk to them like they're real because they're not. You know, he has a very. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Let's start. As, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because in the previous episode we saw a great deal of compassion when he was dealing with the hosts, and kind of juxtaposing it with this episode. Now it really wasn't there. Yeah, it seems like he understands that these machines are sort of there to serve some sort of psychological purpose for him. Mm-hmm. And and I in you know this is all in, interpretive, of course, but uh, yeah, I think I think that he sees them as a a tool to be used, whether it's the entertainment of the guests or his own, like you know, sitting uh, in the incredibly creepy storage area <laughs> with all the, the uh retired hosts uh playing Drinking with a guy from the crew yeah and you know that is probably more like nostalgia and 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 so forth for him i would assume that it, it mm. doesn't like it, this this episode seemed to have drained some of the ulterior motive from anthony hopkins and and yeah positions him less as a mad scientist and more the scientist who who maybe is assuming uh that things are okay when they're not you know uh but we also uh, there are some other clues that we'll we'll get to so um 
But uh, as, as we said, we start off with uh, Bernard and Dolores, and Bernard is once more questioning Dolores about um, the things she's thinking and, you know, potentially feeling, you know, in quotes. Um, and he gets her to read a passage from uh, Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And the, the passage itself is all about uh, uh, waking up and feeling different. And and Bernard has apparently given her a number of uh, books over time, and she correctly identifies that the theme of the books that he's presented to her have all been about change. Yes. And and most importantly in this scene, I, I would imagine, is the fact that Bernard turns off uh, essentially her um, her her canned responses. Yeah, scripted responses are switched off, and he uses specifically defaults to her kind of ad-libbed responses, as opposed to the ones that she's programmed to see all the time. Right. So, uh, and and he continues to talk with her, and they end up having a conversation about her saying, you know, I, I, I'm questioning who I am, uh, and I feel like once I, I know the answer to that question then uh, you know i'll be whole essentially and to me this is like the the thing that's remarkable about that scene other than you know the usual hey you know we've got great performances here and all that is that it it clearly shows original thinking yeah and which is one would argue that is sentience at that point that you are uh you are a a a thinking being and and growing self-aware mm-hmm. and at that point you you become a real a real boy you know <laughs> um, so yeah it's i i thought it was a fascinating scene i i, I mm-hmm. th- like the stuff i love most about this show is is when it gets into the philosophical stuff and yep. and this scene is all about that i mean yeah i mean it's it's not it's not necessarily shall we say um it's not being obtuse and its symbolism either the fact that she's reading from Alice in Wonderland that's you know and she is a, a a robot dressed in a period piece sitting in a futuristic facility you know I mean it is, it is and she's wearing a blue dress as well I mean it's it's all in the scene Bo it's all in the scene well let me let me add something else in terms of this scene and and this has nothing to do with the the dialogue or any of that I'm curious where this scene takes place, because I don't think it's in the Delos main facility. No, it looks like somewhere else. Right, and and especially because this scene ends with Bernard saying, um, you know, hey, I'm going to let, I'm not, I'm not going to erase any of uh, this weirdo programming that appears to be going on, or these glitches or anything. We're not going to reset you. But I need you to promise me that you're going to stick to your loop. You know what that is, yeah. so you got to stick to it. And she's like, maybe. <laughs> and she, well, she tells him yes. But I, I, I think that it's actually one of those areas, kind of under the town. Yeah. Well, the the fact that she can move very quickly from there and re kind of introduce herself back into Westworld quickly without being seen, you would imagine that it's yeah just possibly behind the scenes of one of the, the buildings or 
Yeah, it just looks way more industrial. Like, oh, there you you get some shots of like stone steps and railing and stuff like that behind yeah. Bernard that suggests that it's not at uh, Dallas proper. It's it's more kind of out in the park. And also, uh, we learn later that he's trying to do this kind of under the radar, obviously, um, yeah. because he leaves his you know phone or communication device or whatever uh, behind uh, when this is going down. So. We follow uh, Dolores. We have another moment of her waking up in her bed. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, you know, starts to go about her routine and then pauses to look in the mirror where she has this moment. Like, it's the same look that my cat has when my cat looks in the mirror. of just like, <laughs> like, holy shit, is that me? I think that's me. And, uh, but, you know, from a from a more philosophical point of view, it's clearly her you know expanding on the idea of there there are these kind of two hers i think one is the programmed can dolores and then there's this other burgeoning personality that mm-hmm. is warring against it and she uh she opens her uh the, the dresser drawer in her bedroom and she finds the gun that she dug up in the last episode mm-hmm. and then we have a a flashback to Ed Harris as the man in black in the barn. Yeah, so we get a little bit more than we got last time. The, the previous time we saw this scene, the scene ended with the door closing with us being on the outside. We get a slightly more extended scene where we now see what's happening on the inside for the briefest of moments. Uh, and I just want to say again, Ed Harris, terrifying. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um the other thing that's kind of interesting about this scene is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I may just be misinterpreting something in the crazy wash of information that you get in the show, <laughs> is that she has this flashback about Ed Harris saying, you know, like, let's begin. It's the scene that we saw in the uh, the first episode. And when it cuts back to Dolores, there's no more gun. That's right. And which, again, kind of leads some credence to the idea of we may be dealing with multiple timelines and there may be this memory of when she had the gun, but she doesn't have it anymore. And we also have this um, the story of the 30 year old, you know, Westworld, like the the park that was eventually like had some kind of horrible accident and is gone now. And they kind of rebuilt on the ashes of that. Um, and that may be one of the timelines we're seeing is that timeline where Westworld goes bananas. Yeah. So, anyway. I, I, I mean, I, I would not put it past... Um, I think maybe people... I, I don't know, I'm in two minds. I think people may be looking too much at this because it's Jonathan Nolan, and they're thinking Inception. So it has to be, you know, a reality inside a reality at a different time and all the rest. Um, it may not be that. Certainly, from what you're saying, it could very well be. She certainly packs away some linen back into the the drawer, and it, it does not appear that the gun is present um, yeah. in that scenes. Which, yeah, which would lead you to believe that the gun maybe wasn't there to begin with. Um, right. Either wasn't there, or she's having these conflicting memories of there was a time when she had the gun, but now she yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, but she doesn't yeah, anymore. So yeah, I, I, I could, I could see that. I could see that. I'm not, I'm not prepared to commit my, not prepared to fully commit to that yet. 
I think uh, we're still too early. Yeah, in the I, show. I agree with you totally. I'm not. I'm not totally on board. But now that I've heard it, I'm kind of keeping an eye out for it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but yeah, I mean, it could be that that's a lot of crazy make 'em ups uh, because we don't really. Ha- I mean, there's nothing directly telling us that we're not dealing with everything in the present, but one would assume that being a show that is built so heavily on mysteries that we're going to get a reveal at some point, that's going to be the big, you know, the shock. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking of William, uh, as we did a moment ago, um, William is uh, a, a featured more uh, prevalently in, uh, in this episode. And he is out finally uh, living it up in Westworld. Uh, by which I mean he uh, decides that he is going to go on an adventure after saving uh, Clementine, our, our favorite yep. prostitute on the show. Um, they they have a like a brief encounter, and then he starts wandering near the sheriff's office and sees, uh, you know, a, a bit where they're hauling in some, um, uh, a Bad bandito. Day. Uh, from from uh, on the range, and um, so the bandito uh, breaks out of jail after he's taken in, or out out of the sheriff's office, or whatever, and starts uh, threatening the place. Uh, he shoots William. This was quite interesting. Yeah, well, he shoots him, but it you know it, it's sort of that paintball thing, right? It's it's like, hey, you can you can get shot and it can sting, but it's not going to kill you. Yeah, because I don't think... Did they elaborate that in the previous two episodes? Because from what I saw with Ed Harris, they just didn't look like they connected. It's like they stopped beforehand or ricocheted off. And in this one, there was a definite impact. At first, I thought he had been shot um, because of the way he fell over. And it was a visible bruise that was left on his uh, his body. And his um, brother-in-law... I told him that it got very much like what like William asks what the audience asks at this point. I thought you said we couldn't get hurt, and he's like, "Ah, well, no, you can't die, um, but you need to make the game interesting, you know. If, if everything just so, so then I thought, right, if that was the case, Ed Harris is a bad motherfucker because he took a lot of bullets. <laughs> he's like taking a lot of bullets to his face and everything else, and none of them look like they connected. So I'm wondering if there's a different there's a different algorithm for him which just means the bullets don't even touch him yeah maybe so or and i'll have to go back and watch the second one because i feel like in that in the kind of town shootout before you get the the little girl telling him like you know the maze is yeah before it went all stabby stabby slicey slicey but yeah stabby stabby slicey slicey pre-stabby stabby um that yeah i felt like you saw like you know a puff of dust or whatever of him getting hit by these kind of you know half-assed yeah. bullets but i could be totally wrong about that um i'll i'll, I'll have to go back and look we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll I, do I think it's yeah it's, it just seems like it because you took a lot of shots against him uh that i would have imagined if they were all leaving bruises then more props to him he's a he's a he's a hard bastard oh well there's no doubt about that My two cents on that but well he's clearly a hard bastard uh, I don't Regar- regardless, yeah, yeah. regardless. Uh, William William decides that his brother-in-law, <laughs> I love that, where he basically summed up what you summed up last week. He's like, that. since being here, all you've done is drink and fuck. Do you know what I mean? Um, he's like, I kind of want to go on an adventure, and I kind of want to go after this guy, this other bandito. 
um, and his brother-in-law reluctantly. He's like for for a guy that's all. It's quite interesting because he's obviously sold this park in such a way to William that he can do all these adventures and all the rest. And he's been before, and it's funny that all he really has returned to do is. Well, it's like it's like they mentioned later on. It's to and uh, to enable people to do things that they can't do in their real life. He's just chosen that as an easy way to sleep with robots, drink a lot, and occasionally get in a, a, a scrap with someone else, but not to really take on board any of the, the massive storylines of where they may take him. And William, obviously fresh-faced, he's all about that. He wants some adventure in his life. Yeah, and I think if I were going to Westworld, like, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't want to pretend that there would not be a little whoremongering. Uh, but I, yeah, I think that would be my move, like going on, on the trail and, and hunting down a, you know, a, a desperado sounds pretty great. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it you know, go, going back to episode two, when, you know, uh, William was almost sucked into the treasure hunt and all that stuff. Like he seems to be the guy that kind of wants to take Westworld for what it's offering, you know, yeah. that it, it, it's not just uh the it oh man one of my kind of favorite moments in the in the episode though is this scene when his brother is like look you've been married to my sister for a year i know you need to get laid from someone else it's like dude that's your sister like how what a horrible horrible human being you are um but yeah i thought uh i i i thought this whole scene was kind of fun because again it you know shows william as more the heroic character and so forth and you know towards the end we we certainly set it up for him to be that character yeah. um but yeah so I, I i thought that was fun and you know um him him sort of deciding to really uh dig his teeth into westworld um i i think it's kind of fun and and i'm i'm digging it so then we go to uh, the, the the Delos Corporation, yep, headquarters, where we learn that the milk bandit, uh, <laughs> oh, <such> a, yeah. <laughs> Once again, that's as good as you're getting on this show, ladies and gentlemen, the milk bandit. Yeah, well, you know the dude who shot everybody and poured milk on him. So yep. uh, we learn that he, when he shot up the uh, the the brothel, the the saloon. Um, that he only killed people who had killed him in previous storylines. Yeah. Which means... He, yeah, go ahead. He also, he also appeared to have a, a one-sided conversation with someone that wasn't there. Yes, a gentleman named Arnold. Yes. So uh, we have sort of the deepening of one mystery of who Arnold is, and a little bit of a, res- a, a resolution, at, at least I think so, that yes, we know now that whatever virus it is that is infecting uh, all these hosts, it is clearly um, making them remember, you know, their past lives, if you will, you know, uh, past all- traumas that appear. So like, at the moment, no one seems to be having any flashbacks to anything nice. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's always a trauma. And then I thought to myself, well, how much nice things are happening to hosts in Westworld? Probably not a lot. Well, and it, maybe it goes back to to Ed Harris saying, you know, you're most real when you're suffering. Yeah. And but that's the thing; it's the suffering that they remember, the, at, especially at the hands of uh, 
the guests, you know, as well as other hosts, it, it turns yep. out, you know, these, these violent delights, uh, <laughs> Duncan have violent ends, it turns out. So, uh, we also learned that another, uh, of the hosts has gone rogue. Uh, in this case, it is a, uh, uh, the cook, um, for a, uh, uh, a, you know, a group of hosts that are, are sort of out on the range, but yeah, so he's taken off, just decide to fuck off into the wilderness. <laughs> so, uh, Stubbs and, um, oh, what's her name? Elsie, um, yeah. are dispatched to go track down this rogue host. Yeah. Well, Elsie's doing a bit of investigation. Um, she was the one that uncovered this, kind of apparent pattern with the milk bandit as we're calling them now um, and as she is pressing for further answers from uh, Bernard, Bernard says listen this is this is not in your job description at all this is for me, I will look at this here there's this issue happening in the park, you just go and you just do something that's within your, your kind of job description, your pay grade and you go and you find out what's going on and bring them back so she gets dispatched here. So, so uh, Bernard at this stage is trying to keep things on the hush hush, um, and obviously we kind of know why. To an extent, I mean, part of it is shielding Ford or Ford's mistake, which he's very quickly um, pulled up on by Teresa, who pulls him aside and just like, "What the fuck is going on here? I thought we had an agreement. You would let me know." What was going down with uh, Ford, and you, you, you know, you're not telling me about this. He he has apparently sectioned off uh, a certain certain area and uh, a large amount of hosts to set up his storyline, um, and we don't know anything about it. And it's having an impact on other stories. Um, and Bernard is for for a man that be tapping that ass bow. I think that's how how the kids say it. Um, is right. being. Yep. Yep, is being very aloof with the details he's handing back to Teresa. So she uh, she gets kind of she gets the the nice non-committal answer to, to basically fuck off, and he um, he is going to go and have a wee word with uh, with Doctor Ford. Indeed, he is. But before uh, we we get to that delightful scene. Yes. Uh, we we go back to Teddy, who uh, was almost missing from the second episode. Yeah, we got a lot of Teddy in this episode, and I would just say I fucking loved what we got of Teddy in this episode. Yeah, it's it's really cool because the the first time we see Teddy, it's him with a guest, uh, a, a lady who's got a rifle, a rifle lady, if you will. Mm -hmm. And she is kind of following Teddy on this, you know, whatever storyline that uh, Teddy is involved with that takes her out to, you know, kind of hunt bandits and whatnot. And she, uh, the the lady that is with him, with Teddy, in the saloon, ends up going upstairs with Clementine, God bless her. And <laughs> we have a moment between Teddy and Maeve where Teddy is all on script. But Maeve actually, when she sees him and they're having, you know, a typical Teddy and Maeve conversation, a Westworld scripted conversation. And then she has a flashback of Teddy in the, you know, kind of plexiglass holding cell. 
where dead. they're washing off and repurposing all the all the hosts after they've been murdered by the guests. And uh, so we we definitely get a little bit more of like, oh, Maeve is definitely having this epiphany moment still. Um, but Teddy still uh, picks up the can off the street for uh, Dolores. Mm-hmm. And they end up going back out to the range, and this time Dolores is uh, saying, you know, like, hey, isn't there some place other than this shit town we can go? Yeah. And, you know, Teddy defaults to his scripted programming, which is, yes, someday I'm going to take you there. Yeah, he has has things to atone for, and once he has atoned for them he will be able to take her somewhere. And we find out in the next scene, um, in a conversation between Terry and Ford, that this is just a bit of lazy writing, really. Um, this thing that he has to atone for was never written. So these are really... This is a scripted part of his program that, you know, he can never do the things that he really wants to do because he will never fulfill that atonement. Because he doesn't know what he's atoning for. So, but it's a blank. It's, it's basically something that's been put into the script that hasn't been given much thought. Um, and th- this is the first kind of this is the first interaction we really get with with Ford and one of the other hosts, where we we start to see the, the more kind of callous and cold uh, Ford start to come through because the way he speaks to Terry is is not particularly nice and once again i know what you're saying it is the ford is fully aware that they're just robots um and he will interact with them how he pleases but through this conversation there is a, a kind of compassion that starts to come through you know wouldn't you like wouldn't you like it to you know, to, to know what this this thing is and that happened in your past wouldn't you, wouldn't you like it if we gave you that and and then we see his creation of a new part of a story, which I thought was this one. I love this show already. I, I really, really do. And there are things they do in it that just make me just love it so much. And I think it's to do with how they're allowing the actors to, like I said in the previous episode, they basically allow actors to repeat the same scenes, but with slightly different inflections or slightly different um, emotional bents to them. Um, and in this one, um, he basically gives him the backstory of this of this guy that he had an interaction with in the past. Um, Wyatt, and, his name is. Yeah. yeah, Wyatt. And as soon as he, he like at first, he's like, "Do you not remember Wyatt?" And you can see that the program hasn't fully uploaded yet. And when Teddy like realizes who Wyatt is, we get the Wyatt backstory. And we get this done through flashback, and I fucking love this. I absolutely love this. So basically, Wyatt is like is like this devil figure, really. This guy who who just murders like unstoppable kill machine, and Teddy is the only man that ever escaped from him. Um, and this story's now in Teddy's head. So Teddy now, on some level, believes that if he could resolve that one issue, that would allow him to obviously not thinking about being stuck in a loop, um, would be able to go with Dolores and, and settle down or whatever they want to do. Um, and this plays out kind of later on in, in, in a way which made me almost like... Remember when I told you about the scene with Crowhead and 
True Detective season two that when it happened, I kind of stood up and my hand flew up my mouth and I was like, oh, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene later on in this with a lot of people dressed like the Zodiac Killer holding, like, machetes and cleaver knives and I, I, it was a gasp of, a gasp of intake of breath. My hand flew out my mouth and I stood up pointing at the tail going, oh! Because <laughs> I was like, what the, what, oh! Okay. I was like, what the fuck is this? What is going on? This is creepy. Has this already become Bone Tomahawk? Um, I see that. Yeah, yeah, that was exactly what I thought. Is this movie or this show is just becoming the movie Bone Tomahawk? Yeah, for at least a portion of it. It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, and that and it's kind of the the wonderful promise of this show is that thing of like you can kind of tell any story yeah western or not here you know yeah Um, you can do do anything and the 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 beauty is that because they're updating it you know we we can have all these different things happening we could have essentially two or three storylines which which we've already had in this show in the same episode but with two or three completely different outcomes um which i kind of love um so so Teddy ends up back, back in the park, back with his uh, his female sidekick, rifle girl as we're calling her, um, and on the hunt for some criminals. Well, before we do that, before because uh, oh, he ends up back here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he, ends up he back saves with Dolores. Sorry. Yeah, he yeah. saves Dolores from a guest and uh, some hosts that yeah. uh, Milk Bandit, uh, Milk yeah. Bandit's friend. Sorry. Milk, yeah, the Milk Bandit's buddy, um, and they're they're basically harassing her, and it's sort of a setup for this guest is about to rape her. Yeah, it, well, it, it's quite as it, it, set up to like because because obviously what we found out in the past is that if a host is pulled away to a different story, it has an impact on the story. So these are the people that ultimately will end up ransacking her parents' house, killing her parents, and then leading to the eventual rape of Dolores that happens in every every cycle, whether, you know, if that is what is deemed to happen, if these characters aren't stopped or pulled into another story somewhere down the line. So we've never seen this interaction before, because usually at this point, Teddy's with her. Um, you know, like, before this point, Teddy's already picked up the can and all the rest, and that's that's led them off. So, or this has happened in a sequence that we haven't seen somewhere. So we get this altercation where she's basically meeting the people that she will meet later on in the story that are, are ransacking her parents' house. And um, basically they, they try, like you say, to set up the old uh, rapey-rapey. Um, and Teddy shows up. Teddy's a badass. He oh, is, Teddy just, yeah. He just like shows up, a bit more confident, a bit more of a swagger about him, and um, basically talks this guy out of doing it. And this guy's like, who doesn't even resemble the character we're going to see later on, who's full of the rape, as my colleague the Baz would say. Um, uh, you know, he's basically like, oh, come on, we'll go, we'll go and get drinks or something like that. So they, they move away, and um, once again, we're back in this kind of Teddy Dolores loop so to speak this loop that we always end up to and with these two characters when they are together yeah I, I one of the things i find really chilling about this this scene with the uh the guest and the uh other hosts as they're sort of 
harassing Dolores is when Teddy shows up and the guest is like, I thought you said this was, I, I told you I wanted something easy. Yeah. I don't, uh, and it's so, I mean, like, again, on one level, the coffee machine level, that's fine. But yeah. the fact that they look so human, you know, it, it's like, uh, even, even pretend rapey rapey is not good rapey rapey in my estimation, sir. Dude, uh, you can dude. disagree with me if you like, but I'm taking the controversial stance that <laughs> all rape is bad. Yeah, I'm going to go with that as well. Oh, all right. Well, a, a surprising agreement here. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so the, but when we get out kind of on the planes with Dolores and, and Teddy this time, um, he's showing her how to shoot. Yes, he is uh, basically, yeah, he's, he's obviously, from this arcade, he believes that she should be able to defend herself. So he gives her, does a, a, a quick show of how you shoot the gun, gives her the gun to shoot, and very much like Robocop, uh, see where I'm going with this, Robocop and uh, members of the board of OCP, turns out she doesn't have anything in her that will allow her to pull the trigger. It's almost as if there's a particular program in place for the Dolores character that makes her unable to shoot a weapon. I would imagine that's been put in there because her character in essence is meant to be raped every night. Uh, which, when I say that, really does give me the chills, but that's essentially how her character has been written. He's um, the real monster, Duncan. <laughs> But yeah, so I get the feeling that it's it's put in such a way that she, you know, she our program has been written that she can't fight back, um, and as a result, she can't pull the trigger of the gun. Yeah. Um, and Teddy, with his program, for some reason, it's because she's a woman. <laughs> I mean, this is his reaction to, it. you know, because he's he doesn't know any better. This is why she's too delicate to to be firing firearms. Um, or is she, Bo? Is she? Maybe something will happen later on that we'll discuss. Well, uh, we'll get to that in a minute because around this time, uh, our lady guest who has been frolicking with Clementine mm -hmm. uh, shows up with a posse and they're like, hey, we heard uh, that this Wyatt dude is up in the mountains. You want to come? And of course, Teddy is like, do I want to come? Yeah. I can't wait to kill Wyatt. So yeah, this is his. This is his. This is his loose end, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's it's his total thing. It's his raison d'être. Uh, oh, very nice. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so while Teddy is off gallivanting with uh, the the lady rifleman, rifle lady. Yeah, rifle girl. Rifle girl. Yeah, uh, rifle girl and the milk bandit. By the way, a really good <laughs> young adult novel. Um, <laughs> so, so while they're traipsing off into the hills after Wyatt, we then cut to uh, Elsie and Stubbs who have made their way to the uh, bean scene from Blazing Saddles. It's so what it is, honestly. <laughs> it, without the farting, it is it is rampant farting away from being that scene. Yeah, I, I love I love the fact that basically because the kind of cook character has went missing. His whole purpose in this scene is to chop the wood. To chop the wood, to start the fire, to cook food. But because there's no one there to chop the wood, this scene is on a, a kind of causality loop. 
um, of not being able to progress past the same conversations. And as a result, these characters are now three days late to be where they, they should be to interact with something else because they get to the same point where they're like, ah, well, you know, you're so lazy, you should get... Someone should get the wood. Nothing happens. Well, so. yeah, they, they basically hit the pause button on this scene, uh, which I, I always like those moments where they just casually control all these robots. Yeah. Um, I, I think all that's real fun. And so they go to investigate the tent uh, of the uh, the rogue woodchopper. And uh, they find that he has been carving animals, which is probably part of his programming. That's his thing. He, he whittles, we call it here yep. in the States. Yeah. Um, which is something we all learn in kindergarten, the art of whittling. Um. I'm quite good. I can do most uh, small mammals, but the woodman, the wood, uh, the woodsman, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman has. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what happens when I free associate. Uh, he has been carving uh, the same pattern into all yeah. of his his whittles. Yes, and uh they don't know immediately what this is just that it is aberrant behavior yes no pun yeah. intended because there is a wooden bear um <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm, I'm so sorry I'm like, no i am i'm liking it i'm liking it we, we do get an explanation as to what it is later on in the episode we don't get an explanation as to why he's doing it but... yeah so if if we're from there we go back uh to teddy and his crew yeah, and he has uh, this, you know, a flashback to this implanted memory as he's telling the story of Wyatt and uh, the fact that he started hearing the voice of God. Like Wyatt is a great villain in any. Wyatt's brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I love this. I love this, and I love the fact that this show can just, like we said earlier on, can just put that in an episode, just drop it in the episode. You know, right? We're writing a new character. He's a new villain. He's, you've got trouble with him in the past, you've got history, this is what your history, and then it's, it's scripted like a Western, and then it plays out, and you're like, yeah, this guy in any Western movie ever, this guy would have been a bitchin' villain. Yeah, and they they come close enough to uh, Wyatt and his gang for them to start taking pot shots and killing some of the other uh, hosts, and meanwhile, there's uh, the guests involved, which is, it turns out, a husband and wife. Um, and the husband's like, this kind of sucks. Like, people are shooting yeah. at us. This is kind of scary. And yeah. yeah, and she's like, well, then get the hell out of here then, because I'm sticking with Teddy and probably doing some Teddy loving. And at some point, after Clementine, <laughs> the, the wife is voracious, is what I'm saying, Duncan. She is yeah, a, it's a wanton violence. Yeah, isn't it? It's guns, violence, and sex, and, and the old west. Yeah, the 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 holy quad thing. Yeah, well, that but that's I mean, again, that's the appeal, right? Is that you get to go to this place and live out these old west fantasies, and and in such a real and tangible way, and and that includes you know seeing your your party shot up, and you're one of the last survivors, and all that, and. Uh, but but the, we don't get the 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 money shot yet for that scene because no because it's it's time it's time to check back in with uh, Bernard and Doctor Ford. 
not quite yet because the, oh. the next thing, according to my notes, Duncan, and they're good oh. notes. Bo has not see. I never pack notes when I do these shows. I, just... I I finally was like, okay, chronologically, let me let me <laughs> make a note of like, okay, what scenes follow what scenes. So we go back to Elsie and Stubbs uh, just before because that's where we get the revelation that oh, what this guy has been carving is yep. the constellation Orion over Orion. and over and over again. Yeah. So then... there is a joke in here. There is a joke in their conversation. Which harks to something that I think someone posted on the feed for our episode. Um, because basically, Elsie um, says to, to, what's his name? Stubbs. Uh, to Stubbs, you know, and how, how do you know about Star Constellations? And he said, maybe it's my program backstory. And we got a comment on um, our previous episode. Thank you very much. Feel free, by the way, folks, to leave us comments, uh, any observations that you picked up that me and Bo haven't picked up, any theories you have. But this particular person wrote in his comment that he dreaded that the show would have a reveal that everyone except one person was a robot. Um, and I thought that maybe the show writers maybe are planning things out in such a way that they are already anticipating what people watching the show might think and as a result are throwing in jokes in to play off that. Maybe I'm giving them too yeah. much credit, but it felt like, uh, you know, we're going to acknowledge what you're already thinking. It's like that way when, uh, although Lost ultimately finished in the end and everyone thought it might have, kind of after like the third episode of the first season. Um but in that way we can crack a joke. You, we, we know the audiences are smart for these shows, and you may think this has happened, so this is like a kind of, a one kind of nudge, potentially. Yeah. That's what I took away from it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, because this show is going to be just surrounded by speculation, until we get, like, real answers, until the show starts telling us real stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, then that kind of speculation is just going to run wild. And why wouldn't you, if you were writing the show, you know, it, it's it's the Coen Brothers thing, right? Because the Coen Brothers very famously, uh, particularly the film um, Miller's Crossing, the, all the stuff with the hat, like, you're giving me the hi-hat, all that stuff. Um, in an interview, they finally admitted to the fact that, like, all that hat stuff and, and seeing the hat blow along at the beginning and end of the movie and stuff, they were like, yeah, that didn't really mean anything. It was just, yeah. <laughs> it was a thing that we put in the movie so that film film classes would obsess over it, but it yeah. doesn't, it, it has no real symbolic meaning. So, yeah, I can totally see Westworld pulling the same kind of stunt. Um, yeah, I, I I thought I thought it was I thought it was quite funny. I, I did have a, a small chuckle, but like I say, particularly after one of the theories uh, put forward from one of our listeners was that you know he dreaded that it might go down this road. I personally don't think the show will go down that road, so um, I'm just putting that out there. I I I have confidence and faith in it that it won't need to pull anything as gimmicky as that. Yeah, I certainly hope not. Um... So uh, we we have been dodging this scene long enough because it's come up a couple of times. Uh, Duncan, uh, why don't you uh, tell us all about the conversation between Bernard ugh, and uh, <laughs> and Ford? 
Yeah, this this was really cool because uh, Bernard manages to track down Ford, and Ford is working um, on one of the hosts, and whilst he is about to engage um, Ford in a conversation, Ford looks over and notices that one of his technicians is working on another host, but has draped a towel over the front of him. So Ford comes across and sits down and just, you know, sparks up a conversation, so to speak. Uh, where he's like, that, well, you know, why have you covered up this host? Maybe it's, did you think he was cold? Trying to, you know, save his embarrassment, you know, hide, you know, cover his modesty, you know, uh, why did you do that? Um, and the guy doesn't really come back with any witty answer, probably because the infamous Dr. Ford is sitting beside him. Uh, it'd be like your boss just trying to, like your boss's boss just sitting down and trying to have a conversation with you at work about something you were doing wrong. Uh, there is no real right answer, so you kind of just panic. Um, and Ford, as a as a demonstration of his point, lifts a scalpel and then slices into the side of this guy's head. Just cuts right down it to prove his point that they are only machines. Yeah. They do not feel cold. They do not have modesty. Rips a towel off it. So he's like, there, stare at this host cock. <laughs> do your work. Look <laughs> at it. <laughs> I created this penis. Look at the veins. Look um, at the beauty of this penis. <laughs> stare upon it and weep. <laughs> because I don't want it. You will look weep, at weep. it. <laughs> look at the cock. Um, Until so... I see a tear. It is the cock <laughs> channel. All cock all the time. <laughs> So he stands up to, to speak to Bernard. Bernard's like, maybe we should do this in private. Um, so they head to Ford's office, which is bitching because it's full of old robots and there's a wee guy playing like some sort of piano thing and lots of like a scary wall of heads, which is very reminiscent of uh, the temple in Game of Thrones. Uh, I was like, that. does a Ford have no name? Ford has no name. Oh, um, but, by the way, Game speaking of, of Game of Thrones, yeah. not, oh. not, not to derail you entirely. You're totally derailing me, but that's fine. Uh, the opening credit sequence uh, yes. of this show was done by the same company that did the opening to uh, Game of Thrones. It does feel very Game yeah. of thrones Sure. And I thought that too, and then I, I read that in my research for the show, uh, that they're the same company. I, uh, it's like Elite Design, something like that. But anyway, they've done that. I think they did Carnival. I love Carnival. Um. And then this and, and Game of Thrones. I want to say they did something else. You but. know, if Carnival came out now, it would be a fucking huge runaway success. It'd be yeah. a massive show. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel so upset that that show was, you know, what, like a decade before its time? Yeah, it kind of was. And I, I still kind of hold out hope that one of these days, HBO is going to get around to doing like a movie to wrap that show up. Yeah, we really, we've HBO. If you're listening to this, we love you, and please do it. It yes. would make me happy. I, I, so. I happily give you my fifteen bucks every month, HBO. Will you, <laughs> will you please, for the love of God, in addition to all the great programming that you already provide? Also, Bo also wants Bo also wants to know if you maybe want to spend a bit of that money you've got, pick up Firefly, and maybe just do something with that. Don't even. Just don't tease me. It's it's bad enough that I'm living in a world where Red Dead Redemption 2 doesn't come out for a year. Uh, yeah, who does that, Rockstar? Who fucking does that? Oh, oh by the so way, look, look at the teaser right now. Fall 2017. And they're taking pre-orders for it. No, no pre-orders. 
Oh, I no, I pre-ordered it already. No, no pre-orders until I see fucking until I see something that like pre-orders just now. Oh, by the way, we're not dropping a trailer for another week, or it's another couple of days, I think. Um, yeah, but still, it's a principle of the thing, Bo. It's a principle of the thing. Fucking make me wait. Make me wait a year. How dare you? Yeah, but that's kind of Rockstar's mo with most of their games is yeah. to announce way way out. But it's it's the Scottishness in them. I'm sure that's exactly what it is. That is what a what a cruel bunch of teasing bastards. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just a bunch of cock teases in Scotland. That's pretty much that's that's why we wear kilts. We're, and then we walk across the people and we start to slow lift up and go ah on the you're gonna see ah and then Look eventually. At it. Look at yeah, it. it! Look at my cock! <laughs> um, eventually happens. It always happens. That I, 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 it I, always I, happens. Always Every happens. Every conversation oh. just yeah. ends in, in me screaming, screaming, look at my cock. Yeah. <laughs> it's why I don't have anyone sitting beside me at work now. I, it's a great way if you want your own private office. It, I'll tell you what, the real stunner is that you got married. There was at least one woman on the face of the planet that was like, <laughs> you know what, let me take a peek. All right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not averse to this. Uh, and yes, yeah. Thank you very much. You know that. what? I wasn't expecting much, and that's exactly what I got. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's more than I have. Um, so yeah. So we have this. We have this great conversation um, between uh, Bernard and Ford, where basically. There's a lot unpacked in this scene, like huge amount of detail unpacked in this scene, which affects everything we have already seen, which is obviously going to affect where the show is going to go, answers a couple of questions, and indicates a couple of things which you had raised as potential theories of where the show was going to go in the previous episode. So we find out through through their conversation that... Uh, Dr. Ford maybe isn't deliberately trying to, at the moment I still don't believe this, but maybe isn't really deliberately trying to push forward an evolutionary step within the hosts. He is maybe just the guy that creates hosts. You know, maybe he hasn't this, this motive that I said... He was very blasé in the last episode. Everyone makes a mistake. And I was like, yeah, but you're a, a smart motherfucker, so why are you making this mistake? And why are you owning up to this mistake? Um, it certainly doesn't feel like that in this conversation, but once again, we know so very little about Ford that, you know, he could just be once again stringing Bernard along with with, um, with a story. Um, we, we find out <clears throat> from him that back in the good old days, and can I just applaud um, the the showrunners, HBO, the showrunners, the people that do special effects, the young Anthony Hopkins CGI face was fucking flawless. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. When I think about when I saw uh, the the sequel to Tron um, a couple of years ago and the Jeff Bridges younger face and how ridiculously computerized that looks the tech has come on quite a bit and i am very glad that they decided to put that you know if they were going to do that scene in the show it had to be perfect and it was perfect it was it was young anthony hopkins yeah it was like magic era anthony hopkins yeah i couldn't i could not believe it when i saw it because i thought i wonder who they've cast to be a young anthony hopkins i was like oh young anthony hopkins (laughs) i should have cast what the fuck? Um, He's perfect so ba- for it. 
he is perfect for it, and he he talks about a simpler time, uh, about when when the the park was first being created. Before the park was actually created, the the amount of time that was spent just developing the host, just creating these creatures, and we find out that he wasn't the the main guy back then. He had a partner, this guy that worked with him, whose name has already been mentioned. Arnold was it? Arnold. Yes, Arnold was his uh, partner. Yes, yeah. which we've already heard the name Arnold before, by the way, and Bo has already mentioned it, in particular with Milk Bandit, um, who was appearing, who was apparently having a conversation with someone imaginary called Arnold. So we'll get back to that, um, hopefully somewhere down the line, because at the moment I don't have an answer. Um, so yeah, so he basically t- tells the story about how these two guys started off with this idea of creating these these um these hosts these robots but they had uh at somewhere down the line they kind of went at crossroads and where ford continued very much on the path of knowing exactly what he was doing which was just creating these these new robots to be essentially used in the park in one form or another um arnold wanted to go one step forward he wanted to basically play god and give them um artificial intelligence and consciousness and to do this, he um, based it off a diagram, the name of which escapes me. Hopefully, your notes picked it up. I I don't have the name of it in my notes, but it begins uh, with a B. I can't remember, but I want to say by bicameral. That seems pretty good, so we'll stick with that. The bicameral triangle or something like that. Yeah. Basically, it, it layers up all the different aspects that would create consciousness. Um, the top as the top of the pyramid was left blank and he asked what that was and basically said, Well he never finished it. Never finished it. But in theory, it's it's the part of them that would would allow them to be able to talk within their own, own selves and, you know, it's this understanding of God almost, this voice which, which controls them, um, which is very interesting, Bo, because in the previous episode you hypothesized that you thought that maybe Dr. Ford was introducing religion or, or this idea of, of of some sort of religion of a higher being or a higher purpose right. um, into the robots. Turns out Ford isn't wanting to do that. It turns out that Ford's partner wanted to do that. Um, and we, we then find out that... Um, he died, um, and it was, it doesn't sound like he died nicely either. He, he, he died in the park, Bo. Died in the park. Right, which leads us, uh, you know, to believe that probably the result of his own experimentation, possibly. By the way, it's bootstrap consciousness is what uh, they refer to in the episode, mm-hmm. which was the... Um, the creation of like creating this internal monologue yes for the uh hosts in addition to their programming which created a duality of personality essentially well yeah yeah because um well like ford argues that it that is the illusion of consciousness not real consciousness that's that's right, and what he basically said was as well to Bernard that there are another group of people in society real people that have that um have that aspect in uh, you know in their brain and uh, bernard very quickly points out that people that are insane have that it's this this idea of you know this alternative realm believing that god is speaking directly to them this sort of thing yeah. um 
that's that's that could be seen as insanity. Um, so when we find out that Arnold died at the hands of potentially one of his own creations who maybe went insane, um, it, it then sets up as a start warning. And I don't know how much Ford knows here. You, you got to think. Do that, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I, I feel like he probably has at least a sense of Bernard's, you know, that his, his, his experimentation. I don't know that he knows directly about Dolores, but I, he certainly has the impression, you know, well, he mentions it in that conversation. And this really is the centerpiece scene of this episode. It's, you know, this kind of heady conversation about consciousness, which is why I kind of love the show. Uh, yeah, because it just puts it in there. You know, what I mean, it's, it's right. not it's not going to shy away from it or dumb it down. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think because like why you've got to think about everything that happens in this scene, right? We don't know how long Bernard's worked there, but why is Ford specifically mentioning his partner's demise now to Bernard? Um, and then why is he capping off the conversation by basically saying, you know, you don't, you don't talk to them and treat them you know as real people they're not real people they're they're robots you right. you do under you do understand that you don't you don't want to make the same mistakes that arnold made and bernard's like what me <laughs> talk to the i don't yeah, i don't what's that is that the time is is, is your phone uh do, do we have a meet now i need to go i need to go um but basically it's like no you know why, why would i do that and then ford kind of once again, talks about uh, how Bernard's lost his son, and maybe he's looking for something to to fill that void, so to speak, which was just matter-of-factly dropped into the conversation. Once again, showing that Ford might not necessarily work great speaking to other people. Maybe he's just better speaking to robots, because um, Bernard's a bit wounded by this, and rightly so. It's a, it's a sore wound. It's an open wound. Um, but I think Ford makes his point here, because obviously we we got a scene where Bernard is well, right. I, I, the bit that confused me here was was he basically looking at family footage? No, or was I, he actually was he talking to his ex wife or who, who was the woman he was talking to? Uh, well, first of all, it's Gina Torres from TV's Firefly. But oh, got to see how I mentioned Firefly earlier mm-hmm. on. Oh, she is a handsome ass woman. Um, <laughs> actually, I believe she is married to Lawrence Fishburne. Really? Yeah, that's why they were on uh, Hannibal together. Hannibal, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, you know, edutainment, Duncan. Once more. That's what we try. That's what we try and do every episode, Bo. Uh, that's we aim for edutainment and probably miss the mark by miles. Um, yes. One way yes. or the other, it is neither informative yeah. nor entertaining. Milk band and rifle girl. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I I thought this was a you know again this show could pull the rug out from under us on this one but my interpretation of that was he was rattled by the conversation with ford and wanted to talk to the one person who kind of shared his grief because that's the conversation they have is all about how they feel in the wake of the loss of this child we don't know how the child was lost just that the child is no longer with them yeah we, we, we don't fully know i would imagine over the next couple of episodes that will be unpacked into the episode but also um also sets up like we were saying earlier on the conversation between uh bernard and dolores where bernard's maybe he has listened to what ford has said 
Ford has made some points, and now Bernard is thinking that what he maybe has done is not necessarily the right thing. So, yeah. he, in his conversation with Dolores, he basically comes clean with her and says, you, you know, um, maybe I shouldn't have went as far with this, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, allowed you to have this duality. Um, he once again switches off our scripted responses, um, and she very reassuringly tells him that she doesn't, there is no duality, it's just her. She is just her, she's just one person. And once again comes back to this idea of when she, you know, manages to achieve the things that she achieves, this idea of consciousness, so to speak, although she doesn't use the word consciousness, um, she will finally be free. Um, and Bernard questions where this has come from, where this thought has come from, this, this idea Almost this realization of consciousness, which is what she's done. Some people study philosophy for years to come out with the sense that she comes out with, um, and she kind of reverts back to being kind of, you know, very robotic with her replies. You know, have I said something wrong? You know, these sort of things. And I didn't mean to make her seem so much like a robot there. <laughs> have I said something wrong? <laughs> did, did I say something wrong? <laughs> um, she sounded a bit like uh, Stephen Hawking, really. She did. Sorry, Stephen Hawking. Uh, I know he's a big fan, big fan of edutainment. And, um, <laughs> all about that edutainment. Um, and, uh, edutainment basically... Edutainment or <laughs> um, upon this realisation, Bernard's like, no, we've started something here. I want to see how... He's not saying he's going to do it forever, but he wants to see how it plays out. He wants to see how it goes further. Sends her on her, on her way... Um, and we're going to join her at the end of the episode where something pretty impressive happens. But now we're going to jump back to um, Teddy, on the one hand, who is, is going to face off against his nemesis, kind of. Um, and on the other hand, we come across, uh, Elsie comes across our cook, who is trapped in a ravine. Yeah. Some rocks and unable to move. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty great um because we have Elsie uh and and Stubbs, you know, discover this thing. Um so Stubbs has to climb down into this kind of crevasse that uh the host ha- has fallen into and starts uh sawing off his head. Yep. <laughs> uh to to yeah, cuz he's kind of wedged in there pretty good. And uh, the host wakes up and flips out. And, yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And so he ends up grabbing this big rock and approaches Elsie. Mm-hmm. And and you again, this is kind of up for interpretation. My interpretation of it is, hey, he's programmed not to hurt a guest. Yeah. So rather than do that, he destroys himself. By banging the rock on his damn head. Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty brutal death. It's um, crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> like like the last what fifteen minutes of this episode are just rocking because we have yeah. So we have the the scene with uh, Bernard and Dolores where he's like, "Hey, I'm not going to turn you off, but you know." please don't screw this up for me because never in the history of science 
uh, has there ever been a scientist who is like, I want to see where this goes. And then things just work <laughs> out fine. That's, <laughs> that's how all movies go. Um, so uh, he lets Dolores back into Westworld in time to find out that uh, Teddy and the guest that had joined him had actually encountered, you know, the, the Wyatt and his uh, cannibal robe gang. It's the creepiest scene, and at the same time, one of the most awesome ones we've seen so far, because at first I didn't quite know what was going on. It was like one or two people wearing hoods that, you know, come out of the... It's like it's almost like satanic black hoods um, come out of the bushes and start killing off the party, and then there's more of them, and, and Teddy sends off as a female companion, a rifle girl. Um it gives her something to take away. Now I wasn't entirely sure what it was. I thought it was a note. But I may have been wrong. It gives uh, her something I, I'll I'll tell you what, I will fact check that. But uh yeah, so he ends up getting absolutely surrounded mm-hmm. by the the rogue cowboy mutant things. But they appear to be from what I saw, impervious to bullets. So at first I thought maybe they are humans and not. Oh, did like, you think that? I know like, he I, shot loads and none of them dropped. So, and the only thing we know that doesn't get harmed by bullets are humans. So you think that Wyatt's criminal gang is all guests of the, uh, of Westworld? Yeah. All right. All right. I'm not, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not totally against that theory. Yeah, um, I do, it just uh, to me, it would explain why, unless there's once again something, unless this is Doctor Ford's cruel joke, um, to send Teddy after the people that he wants to capture with an inability to capture them. Uh, to, to be forever doomed to just yeah. lead someone onto the trail and then, yeah. you know, like always end up in this position where where he's going to get like butchered because, the, in fairness. His previous, his, his previous role kind of goes the same way as well. You know, what I mean, he, he's he's doomed to never be able to protect Dolores in one storyline, and it looks like he may be doomed to never get Wyatt in this storyline either. Which, if that is the case, puts a whole new different spin on um, the maliciousness of Doctor Ford. Um, you know, what I mean, who and, and the earlier scene with Bernard says that you know he he couldn't. The, the only thing that remained of Arnold's code was this ability to 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 basically wipe them to to wipe their memory because that's the only thing he can give them is the ability to wipe the horrible things that happened to them. Um, uh, but if this is the case that he's writing this as well, I, I kind of throws a bit of you I just thought it was very interesting that he, you know, finished using his his rifle and then switched to his his six shooter. Which he shot quite a few of them with the six, the six year, and no one dropped. And why is that? Yeah, uh, I did confirm real quick. I, I was just double checking that, but yeah, sure enough, he he fires at all of them, and nothing None of ever them happens. Drop. Yeah, yeah, which makes me think they're possibly humans. Yeah, so. that which is kind of crazy, but uh, either that or creepy maybe... as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If there's a group of humans in Westworld that are dressed like that killing hosts yeah that's you know that's up there with man in black territory for me yeah 
So, uh, shall we talk about uh, this this final scene with uh, the lovely Dolores? Yeah, because this is this is an an escalation, so to speak, of how the previous episode finished. So, in the previous episode, Dolores ended up killing a fly. Um, sorry, two episodes ago, uh, Dolores ended up killing a fly, which was not on our program. Um, or was that the last episode? That was episode uh, two, wasn't it? That was. No, I think that was episode. Was it episode One. two? I, I can't remember. We watched them back to back. Yeah, right, so, right, right. I, I, on our previous show, um, we mentioned that Dolores ended up killing a fly, which was not on our program. She's not. It was the second episode, sorry. She shouldn't be able to do that. It's impossible for our program to do that. Um, and earlier on in this episode, we, we saw that there appeared to be something blocking our program to allow her to use a firearm. So. Yeah, but I'll, I'll, the floor is yours. Go with the, the final scene. All right. The uh, So Dolores goes home, and waiting for her there are the usual gang o bandits who have killed her uh, father, who used to be a bandit. Um, and when she sees him, she has that flashback where she sees uh, Last Exorcism father. <laughs> yeah. And so it's clear that she's having this weird, like, layering of memories and experience and the uh bandit uh the main bandit that she ran into in town not the guest um drags her into the barn to kind of get her prepped i guess well uh, he, he offers them to, he offers them to the creepy guy that we saw earlier on who said you know i thought this was going to be easy um and he originally kind of turns her down kind of he's like well maybe you should have your way with her first and so that's what he does. He drags her into the barn in a very similar fashion as to what the Man in Black did in episode number one. Yes, and it is precisely in this moment that she realizes that as she's thrown back into the hay that she is actually armed, mm-hmm. uh, which is, again, kind of weird because it, it, it uh, it's, again, that doubling of one minute she's got a weapon, one minute she doesn't. And, yeah, and very, it's very videodrome. <laughs> very much so, and oh my God, Duncan. If if this show turns into video drown, oh, it could be the greatest thing ever. Why is there not a video? Why is HBO not done a series on video drone? You could expand that out so far as under. Why is like, give the, right HBO? If you're still listening, if we've not put you off, right? Um, oh, they're on board. They're with it. Yeah, you're already doing quite a lot for us, and you're bringing back Carnival for us, and you're gonna buy the rights to Firefly, and you're gonna put that out. While you're at it, get in touch with David Cronenberg, give him a lot of money, and get him to make a TV show based on Videodrome. I will die a happy man. By the way, I found out what the budgets were of the episodes of Westworld. I bet you they're ridiculous. I bet you they're, I bet you they're more than Game of Thrones. Get, all right. Expenditure. I, for all ten episodes, what do you think HBO paid out for that? Right, so right, so on average, an episode of Game of Thrones is about ten million. Um, oh, let's 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 go let's go crazy money. One hundred and twenty million. Very close. It is a hundred million. A hundred. So it is ten million per episode. Yeah. Holy fucking shit! They are spending Game of Thrones money for this series. Bo show. Oh man! But if you're gonna do it, do it right. 
Right, like the reason that you get crazy, believable, magic era Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, is that money? Right. It's what money buys you. Right, you're just throwing money at that problem until it looks like Anthony Hopkins <laughs> for magic. And I'm sure that's what they said. Like, you give me, I, I, and I'll tell you what, you throw in the puppet, extra, extra <laughs> two million. <laughs> so, so, so Dolores here. Do you think that's the? Do you think that's the futuristic version of that character? So he's went from being, you know, a, like a, well, he's, he he was a puppet master and is now a puppet master on a grander scale. Right. It's probably his grandson or something. Like we don't know what time period this is set. Only that it's in the future. So mm-hmm. it, it's I, I don't remember the character's name for magic. Only that Anthony Hopkins looks sweaty the entire time that he's in that film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you be well if I were on as much booze as he was at the time. Sure, probably. Uh, yeah. Ah, oh, God bless Anthony Hopkins. You're a national treasure. We do, uh, we do, are you claiming him as well? You've, yeah, you've, we have yeah, Anthony Hopkins, okay. Brendan Gleeson. And... <laughs> it's like a, a collection of of fantastic actors <laughs> from from this side of the pond that yeah. you're just you're just planting a flag and claiming him <laughs> in the name of the United States of America. Well, if you want Anthony Hopkins to plant a flag in, yeah, that's going to cost extra. That's it where that $10 million's going. That's where the $10 million is going. That is exactly where it's going. Um, but, but yeah, so so uh, D- Dolores is now a VEC gun, um, and <laughs> uh, and she, she lifts said gun up, and she still has the same issue of uh, not being able to pull the trigger, which the bandit assumes is a sign of weakness. <clears throat> and she then gets a flashback to the the man in black, um, about to do the nasty with her, and uh, guess what? She pulls that motherfucking trigger, puts that bandit down. Yep, he... like old Yeller. Yeah. <laughs> she kills him in the barn. Um, <laughs> right in that barn. Yeah, well, um, in the throat, in the barn. It's a great shot. Dolores with the revolver in the barn. Um, yeah, it's a weird game of Clue. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, uh, or Cluedo as it's known over here. You guys have Clue in America. It's Cluedo in the UK. What is um, it? That's not Clu- true. Uh, it's true, 100%. In what? the UK, it's called Cluedo. It's not called Cluedo. Why is it called Cluedo? I imagine that there was probably another board game in the UK, or there was another something called Clue at the time, so they changed it to Cluedo. That is a garbage title for that game. Uh, to 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 be fair, uh, it's not the worst thing <laughs> that things have been called over here that are different elsewhere. So let's yeah. Uh, remember, so remember, did, you, remember did they the, call the movie? Wait, wait, we're not done with this. Did they call the movie Cluedo? No, the movie's Clue because but you it's don't based have another, Yeah, but you don't have another. You don't have an like. See, if they changed the name because it was already a game called Clue, they would have to call it Cluedo. There wasn't another movie called Clue, so they can call the movie Clue. Right, but then, did you know going into it, like, hey, this oh, this is a movie of, based on the game? Yeah, of course. So you can't you can't have a movie which has got Professor Plum and and all the rest in it and people killing things and you know you can't have that and not relate it back to. I don't know if it was widely known that the game was called Clue in America, um, or you know if the movie was just called Clue because that's what they wanted to call it. Um, but yeah, it's Cluedo in the UK. Look, I'm not blaming you for this, but that's fucked up. 
Yeah, you don't blame me because it exists well before I was born. Uh, so. That's yeah. not the reason you're getting off on this one. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let this I'm one getting slide. off on nothing, Bo. Um So, uh, yeah. yeah where so were we? The... What happened? Dolores. Oh, yeah, Dolores. And All right, so I would argue that she is able to shoot him because she envisions him as a guest. Which I think also undermines a couple of theories I've seen where, like, the man in black is just some higher form of, of host. Mm. Um, which I, I don't agree with. I think he's he's a real dude. Um, I didn't get that. I thought that what happened was when she envisaged that particular point of trauma that her character evolved past her programming. So that failsafe didn't exist because she evolved past it because she is on some level gaining the ability to enact free will, which she has not had before. Well, I think I think that too. I mean, I, I agree with you that, yeah, she clearly oversteps her, her baseline programming to mm. not be able to shoot. But I think her taking a life is, yeah. is, is the envisioning of... Uh, Oh, the man in black, definitely, right. because the man in black's the one from her repressed memories right. that she it's knows, the has done bad. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and there, there was a deep trauma there. So she puts him down in the most fantastic way, <clears throat> runs up, and then she appears to get shot by one of the other hosts. Um shoots her in the stomach but we then find out that too is a repressed memory almost as if she was seen in the future this and this is what confused me because <clears throat> on the assumption that this has played out before she would have had to shoot someone in the barn but she is unable to shoot someone in the barn so how is she already deja vu this sequence or or she is remembering from one of the many times, maybe in Possibly. one of those scenarios. She's she maybe was... escaped and then ran up there instead of killing someone. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it again, tough to say because we don't have the answers here. But Yeah, it's, uh, it's all pure speculation. Right. And the one thing we do know is at the end of this episode, she r- flees from her home mm-hmm. and ends up at the camp of uh, Logan and William. Yep. And she's all, you know, staggered and worn out from killing folk. Uh, Because that's a, that's a, it's an exhausting business. I'll take it out, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't have to tell you, Duncan. You know what it's like. Yeah, killing people, yeah. Five before we started recording. Right, but it it does take something out of you. Like, you you need a granola bar or something afterwards (laughs) just to (laughs) get those electrolytes back up. But, uh, yeah, so she... Falls into William's arms, and the episode kind of ends with this trio together. Um, you know, the things that we know from this episode now is is that Arnold, like all the Arnold backstory, was big. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that this whatever virus is infecting these robots, um, that it, it's progressing. That free will is uh, something that is being exercised by the Dolores robot. Uh, mm-hmm. Bernard's aware of it. Ford may or may not be. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of Delios doesn't seem to be real aware about uh, of this situation unfolding. Elsie, Elsie has an inkling that there's something going on. Right. Elsie was kind of texting to Bernard saying like, hey, these, you know, the, this Orion stuff, like we have hosts that are exhibiting behaviors they were never programmed for. 
Yeah. And and that seems like it would be a big mayday if you were running a, a park populated by robots. Yeah. And um, so we know that stuff for sure. We have this new Teddy storyline. Um, so what... I, I guess it is time for uh, speculation <laughs> and also... Uh, I want to make sure that we uh, we do pay attention to the fact that we did have a couple of folks, um, you know, asking us about like uh, what who do we think in, that in the Delios scenario is going to be revealed as a host. Oh, uh, right. I'm gonna say I think maybe the. Um, Maybe the lady in charge? Uh, this Teresa Cullen. Knutson? Yeah. The actress. Um... Because, I mean, and I only say that because I feel like Ford, his attitudes towards the hosts, I don't think mm -hmm. are, uh, I, I like, I don't think that indicates a robot. And I Bernard, maybe? Potentially. Potentially, that. I don't know if anyone is. I mean, I kind of hope not, but I, I also allow for there to be, like, here's our test subject robot that is way advanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, maybe, yeah. but, yeah, right now, I'm I'm kind of on board with the idea of, like, let's not let this turn into a bunch of, like, who who's the thing and who's not, you know? I don't yeah, yeah. know that that's what this show needs to be. Yeah, I think um, at the moment I don't think. Uh, I mean, my my um, my speculations. I've already mentioned a few of them on here. I uh, I am still speculating that Ford knows a lot more than he's letting on. I think he is fully aware of of this like build up of consciousness that is, and I think he's fully aware of what. Bernard is doing, and that's why he pulled him up about, and why he basically told him on some level this story um, of Arnold, which, like I say, felt like a like a you know a very opportune reveal um, for Bernard, knowing what he's now been up to. Um, I think that the group of bandits wearing the hoods and stuff like that were all humans. I kind of hope we find out what that is somewhere down the line, and if it's not humans, then I think that Robert Ford has horribly um, set up Terry again to, to be in his own Kobayashi Maru. Uh, you know, where he's basically... There's no winning. Yeah, there's no winning at all. He's always going to end up in a situation where he dies horribly. Um, so I, I think that. Um, I think... What was my other one? I had another speculation. Well, while you're working on that, let's, uh, let's hit our other uh, couple of questions here. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, is the man in black or Bernard, or Bernard, related in some way to Arnold? Um, I would say that's probably more likely to be a man in black scenario. Potentially, yeah, potentially. I mean, it's... I, I don't. I think this all appeared to be news to Bernard, so I don't think he has any knowledge of this at all. It would not surprise me if the man in black came across this knowledge. Um, what if he's Arnold? Well, there's a very good. Well, the thing was, I paid very close attention to the picture. Um, oh right, right, right. 
didn't look, but it didn't look like Ed Harris, but it is a pretty shitty picture. Um, so it, c- it could very well be. But I think the company knows about the man in black because they were like that. Now he gets preferential treatment. I think if that was Arnold, then the company would know. But I think well, I think you made a valid point. I think we can debunk the, th- the fan theory that William is the man in black. I think that's debunked by the fact that we have Dolores in a scene before this uh, imagining the man in black attacking her. Um, which, if that's set in the same time frame as William, means that he can't be the man in black. Right, right. So, um, assuming that the timeline is legit, that it's as straightforward as it appears to be on the surface, yeah. Um, then, yeah, that's... Assu- right. Assuming everything that happened in that scene is linear, then, yeah, that's that's 100% debunked. Although, that would have been a great twist. Sure. That would have been an amazing twist, you know, that this is how he starts off all fresh-faced and all the rest on his first visit. Um, and then ultimately ends up being that character. Um, I don't know if I believe the the time difference either, that fan theory, um, in terms of what we're seeing isn't what's happening. I, I need to see more evidence of that or some suggestion yeah. of that more than what we've seen so far because, like, when we see Ford in this episode, we do see, yes, we're flashing back, but that yeah. seems very clearly a flashback. Yeah, that's that's a flashback, and you can see that the tech is very, very noticeably dated. You know what I, I mean? The yeah. tech doesn't look anywhere near as sophisticated as what they have now, so unless they made dramatic... You know what I mean? It, it felt... But then again, then again, Ford might be a robot. He may be a host. They could, they could all be robots. Um, oh, let's not do that. Let's the, please not do that. The... The final question we have uh, is, are the hosts being hacked? Um, Like, is this directed uh, as opposed to just being a mistake? Um, I, You know, I I think it's more interesting to me if it's natural. I'm the same. You know, that it's just, hey, there was this software glitch that created spontaneous life. It's sort of like putting the stake under the jar. And and when maggots come out, you assume that the stake itself produced them. Um, that was an old experiment. I'm not making that up. That's not something I just do. No, no, it's it's actually quite an interesting one. And uh, what is that called? Parthogenesis? Parthogenesis? When you you get life from nothing, essentially. Yes, that's right. And uh, and and so that was the experiment, um, which was you know incorrectly recorded as being yes, you can spontaneously get life, and it turns out no, you were just. Using a shitty steak in an uncontrolled environment, <laughs> but uh, but that's kind of the interesting thing about science, right? Is that you can you can get the wrong findings from uh, from the correct experiment, and 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 that's sort of what fascinates me about the idea of consciousness in Westworld is that it is an unintended consequence of an upgrade, and you know, working in well, software myself, that happens all the time. So, well, it's this it's this idea of these once again. What we have is it's interesting because there is this um, there is this almost mirrors reflection of what has already previously happened. So Ford is of the belief that they can't do that. It's an illusion. It's basically a sophisticated program that makes you think they have consciousness, but they don't. Um, and Arnold, on some level, thought that they could. 
uh, and now we've jumped forward and we're in exactly the same position again where Ford is still reiterating the same point that, you know, for all intents and purposes, you may think this is happening, but it isn't actually happening. And while Bernard first agrees with them after his allocation with Dolores, he falls down on the side of Arnold. Um, he thinks he sees something in there that could be consciousness, and as such, he's willing to let it play out. So, you know, we, we are in the same position where we have these two men, um, these two pillars of this company, who are working together that are going down exactly the same fox that the previous, the previous experience that Ford had in the past. Ford appears to not have wavered from his opinion. Um, whereas in this one, we see that Bernard has has now finally come down on what would have been Arnold's path. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, interesting questions all. Thanks, uh, Brock Mm -hmm. and Joseph, for tossing uh, those our way. Thank you. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I... Given some of the hints, it's hard for me to believe that there is not some outside force at work, whether whether they are introducing this virus i'm not i'm not convinced of yet again i just like the idea of it being spontaneous but um but we'll see you know i feel like we're we are now 30 percent of the way almost a third of the way through the uh the series and uh man can i just say i love it i actually love it i think i watched uh, tonight's episode thinking still working off that basis of well first two episodes are really just kind of putting out the story and all the rest, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the third episode. I think the beauty of this show is the amount of detail and the amount of story they can cram into an hour without it feeling overbearing, rushed, or at the detriment to anything else. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love this show. Like, wholly committed to this show now. Yeah, I'm I'm so nervous, you know, because... <laughs> We've been burned before, Bo. Yeah, and I mean, this is clearly, I think, uh, a better show than than True Detective season two was. Oh God, yeah. Um, and 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 the X Files as well. Like, it, you've already got three consistently good episodes, uh, good to great yeah. episodes. And yeah, I think if this show doesn't go off the rails, like if if it knows where it's going and what it's doing, um, we really could be at the outset of like a spectacular run of of shows um yeah it's it's outstanding i i love the fact that as we said you know kind of the centerpiece scene of this episode is really just this philosophical conversation about the nature of consciousness and what Mm -hmm. what is consciousness and what is just you know pretend consciousness um that that really does it for me duncan it it (laughs) it fires my engine and and then you have you know this you know 15 minute stretch at the end of the episode that is three distinct scenes of violence all happening kind of in in concordance with one another and and all of them are kind of gnarly and great um yeah yeah, it's it this show is really something like it, it it could go off the rails spectacularly but as of this moment i you know it's i mean it's certainly the best new show i'm watching and, um, oh god, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've seen I've seen a lot of shows this year that I've really, really liked. Westworld is is charting a course right now to to damn near the top of the list. I think it's 
I mean, I loved it. And the thing is, that, that list is pretty stacked. I mean, like we, we've already had a fantastic Game of Thrones season. Um, well, that final season was absolutely amazing. Um, so, you know, for, for a new show to come out and kind of capture the... I mean, it's like uh, there aren't many brand new shows that I've seen this year that I thought were incredible. You know, there certainly a couple that I thought were, you know, really, really good, but not incredible. And Westworld, already to me, three episodes in, is achieving what I would consider as incredible status. Now, whether or not that lasts the whole season, that's a that that'll be interesting. But yeah, it's I mean, it's not put a foot wrong yet. And three three hours of TV. It's not three you know just three episodes where it's like a forty minute show or whatever. We're talking about three hours of TV all in, and it has not put a foot wrong yet. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, like characters are amazing. the The story is rich and 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 twisty and all that. It's the the only show that I would say comes close in terms of consistent quality for me is, and this is a bizarre analogy, <laughs> but uh, Ash versus Evil Dead this season. Oh, it's amazing! Three tremendous episodes. Yeah, three back to back. Some of the bit like. Uh, well, that that show, man, is more Evil Dead than Evil Dead. How's that possible? I'll, I'll tell you what. This and sorry, spoilers for Ash versus Evil Dead uh, season two. If you haven't seen it, and this is only a mild spoiler, I'm not going to give too much away here. <laughs> but the fact that the Delta becomes yeah. a villain, yeah, is maybe the most genius move that show has made so far. Yeah. It's yeah, it was tremendous. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing. You know, you know what's going to blow your mind, bro? Uh, a, a drinking glass full of LSD. That will, that, that will certainly do. But next week's episode is called Dissonance Theory, and is directed by Vincenzo Natale. Oh my goodness! <laughs> he of Cube fame is direct. I hope it's a massacre. <laughs> I hope it's fucking violent as fuck. Uh, the, I mean, this show, and, and that's the thing, is it, it hands out this sort of cerebral, you know, uh, conversation stuff that, that is fun to chew over. And mm-hmm. it's also incredibly violent. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's what we... But then again, like I said before, Game of Thrones kind of falls into that category now that HBO have uh, kind of almost a license to do these sort of things now. And that's been spiraling for, for, for many decades from even things like The Sopranos. Like, The Sopranos could get super violent when it wanted to. And we're just seeing the evolution of that. What I love about the the violence in Westworld is you almost forget that you're watching a violent show until the violence happens. You get so engrossed with the story or so pulled somewhere else that when the violence happens, it is jarring. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I am... Um, I am loving it. I cannot wait to sit down next week and talk about some more Westworld. I, uh, I get, a f- I, I think, Bo, there's not going to be any wrong foot. So you know how the season's going to finish. The season will finish with the reveal that we we want setting up the next season. I you know, the reveal that explains the thing that will push forward part of the story. I think. Yeah, that we're all on a spaceship. Um, we're not on a spaceship. We're Stop on a spaceship. We're not on a spaceship. We're definitely on a spaceship. It'll be so, the biggest spaceship ever. Yeah, right. 
I mean, Earth, Earth <laughs> of is course, a, Duncan. Earth is a burned out husk. This is a real Battlestar Galactica scenario. You mark my words. Um, mark your fracking words, book. Mark my fracking words. Sure. <laughs> and then we're gonna end up looking in a window in modern day. God, that show. <laughs> that show, man. That's why. That's why I hurt sometimes, Duncan. Because yeah. sometimes shows don't end well. Uh, sometimes shows don't end well, but that is that is true. You know, that's not Westworld. Oh, uh, yeah. So far, so good, man. I am, you know, again, very excited to see uh, what comes next. And and uh, and folks, listeners, people of uh, all ages mm-hmm. uh, and and honestly, consciousnesses, um, you can check out more of this sort of thing over on legionpodcasts.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, and I would encourage you to hop over to the uh, Facebook group page, uh, and there you can drop us a couple of questions. Uh, uh, that was kind of fun. So what I'll do is uh, over on the Facebook uh, Legion Podcast uh, group page, uh, I will drop a, a couple of messages. So if you want to leave us some questions, uh, or in, in fact offer your own speculations, because that could be real fun too. So if you have some fan theories, your own personal theories, crackpot theories, we will take crackpot theories. Uh, we'll take unproven theories. Uh, we'll take completely, uh, we'll, we'll take a, a hypothesis or two if you get right Ooh. down to it. Yep, we love hippopotamuses. <laughs> I like the hippopotamus myself, but. <laughs> a hippopotamus. Yeah, have you not heard the rhinoceros versus the hippopotamus? No. I'm a, I'm the hip hopopotamus because my lyrics are bottomless, oh, no, and then right. it just kind of stops to there. End, end the show. End the show. <laughs> that end is. The show. Uh, that's uh, uh, flight of the, of the Concords. As oh, I know where it's from. All, all I'm going to say to you is you you mock Cluedo and then you drop sick lines like that. I I think it's because I drop sick lines like that that I can make fun of Cluedo. <laughs> uh. But uh, so, uh, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out over on the iTunes as well if you're listening to it there. Uh, uh, please uh, leave us a, uh, a rating and a review. It does help uh, raise the profile of the show. And uh, while you're there, you know, we got two whole seasons of Duncan and Bo Come Correct, which is us recommending movies to one another. We don't just talk mm-hmm. about robots. Um, <laughs> I don't know that we've had a robot up here. On... We have. We have. Uh, robot and Frank. Oh, sure enough. Yeah, which is an amazing movie. movie, and you should fucking watch that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So listen to that show because as of season two, we now have fifty-two films, forty-eight of which you should totally watch, and four of which you should watch with a couple of drinks in you. Yeah, definitely, it's good stuff. Yes, I would agree. So, Duncan, thank you so much as always. I love doing this. Yeah, this is this has got me happy right now. I I get the feeling that. that you know, I've got that that kind of ecstatic, youthful exuberance of of new show syndrome. Three episodes in that I, I can't wait to to come back uh, and do more of this. And once again, thank you to our good buddy Joseph for recommending that we do this particular series. Um, yeah, so far, if it all goes to shit, it's your fault. So, yeah, me or him, or him. Joseph, him. You're fine, okay. Bo. You're safe. Thanks. You're, you're safe. Yeah. Amnesty for Bo. You're just using me for trophies. <laughs> I can never have enough. Tro- <laughs> and they, 
I, I'm still proud that they have become increasingly ridiculous. Yeah, well, you just hope you don't win the next season. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I, I look forward to the trophy that I eventually am supplied, even though just the glow of, of victory is going to be enough. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, thanks, thanks again to everyone, uh, as Duncan mentioned. And yeah, we will see you next week for more Westworld uh, recaps and speculations and, and talk of uh, Milk Bandits. Uh, there will probably be at least one more uh, reference to robots mm-hmm. uh, at at some point during the the course of this series, and uh, uh, and uh, God willing, more youngified uh, Anthony Hopkins because yeah. I'm kind of into it now. Like I, I want to see how far they can take him back. I want to see an infant with the magic Anthony Hopkins head. <laughs> We have the technology. If any show can do it, Westworld can do it. All right. Well done, Duncan. We will see everyone next week. Yes. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Propel me with great force They keep me on course So I can cross that line Can't switch mid-course And I can see the finish line